Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Novel. Before we begin... This series features remarkable stories told by remarkable people. Some of the events they discuss and some of the words they use to describe their experiences can be, how shall I say this, quite colourful. This programme contains strong language and descriptions of an adult nature. Listener discretion is advised. I always love fruits, and my favorite is a tangerine. I love tangerines. Um, so I would go up the tangerine tree and just eat tangerines and eat tangerines and eat tangerines. And my mom would get, like, very upset because I would be myself at night because I ate so many tangerines. She was saying, like, little boy, come down, little boy, come down. And I just say no to her. And when I said no, she asked me, what, you're not coming down? You're not going to come down? And I said, no, I'm not a boy. Stop calling me a boy. And I was three and a half. This is Cecilia Gentili. I need to adapt, take my earrings off. Yeah, I've had to take my earrings out a couple of times with the headphones, so I understand the pain, the struggle. (laughs) Cecilia is a trans campaigner and advocate based in New York. Originally from Argentina, a former sex worker and recovering addict, Cecilia understands what it's like to live on the margins of society. With a razor-sharp sense of humour and no-nonsense attitude, Speaking to Cecilia, you can tell she has fought hard to get where she is today. And she wears the armour and scars from life's battles proudly. But she's also incredibly warm, dedicating the last decade of her life to helping those living marginalised lives as she once did. From the team at Novel, this is Call Me Mother, a collection of conversations with queer trailblazers. I'm Sean Fay. In each episode, I'm talking to a different queer pioneer whose story teases out a nuance of our shared LGBTQ history. By telling these stories, we'll show the richness and wisdom of our queer community through the ages. And in each tale from the past, we'll find strength for the present day. In this final episode of the series, Cecilia's Story. I am from a place called La Pampa Humeda, which is kind of, it be kind of like a wetlands, like where everything grows and is known for agriculture. And I'm from a really, really small town. Pretty much nothing happens. It is a beautiful place and it's a very complicated place. I love it and I hate it. 
Cecilia was born in 1972, and two years later, Argentina was plunged into a dark period, often called the Dirty War, when military forces and right-wing death squads hunted down any political dissidents or people believed to be associated with the left-wing movements in the country. I grew up until age 12 or 13 in a dictatorship. I learned about democracy as an adolescent, as a teenager. So I grew up in a very, like, repressed society, which kind of exacerbated a little bit more the fact that I was so queer, right? I think that my mother, like, and she told me these, you know, all the things that you can see and think that I was a shitty mother, I did because I was really scared for you. I was really scared that you would vanish or that you would be killed. Queer people were specifically prosecuted at all times. And so to escape this climate of fear, as a child, Cecilia would often go out of town to her grandparents' house in the Argentinian countryside. That's the place where she developed her love of tangerines. They had a little piece of land and they you grow all kinds of things. We have potatoes and corn and tangerines and uh, lettuce, tomatoes, everything, everything. We will grow everything and they have chickens and they have a cow. So everything was like pretty self-sufficient. My grandmother was the only person as the adults around me who really didn't give a fuck about my gender. She was like, whatever. She wasn't like super like supportive and called me she or treated me as a girl. But she didn't mind any of my gender actions or attitude. Every Wednesday... On the television, it was a show called Grandes Valores del Tango. Tango, greatest values would be the interpretation of it. It was like a very successful TV show. And my grandmother and my grandfather would make big event of Wednesdays. But it wasn't just because of the show. The big event was that a certain moment where one of the songs that I felt the most inspired by, I would come out from her room dressing with her clothes and with jewelry and I would dance a whole song. And they would clap, you know, yeah, brava, brava, that was wonderful. And that was one of my happiest memories as a child being supported as this queer little person who had an artistic side, I guess. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. These beautiful moments, though few and far between, gave Cecilia solace. Her grandmother's place was a retreat from the world and a chance to be herself, even if she didn't have the words to express it yet. Then... At 18, Cecilia left home and moved to the city of Rosario to study at university. And it was here that she was introduced to the idea of being trans on a night out in search of a gay bar in the city. I was 
walking and in the corner, I saw this gorgeous woman with like big hips and uh, big boobs, beautiful long hair. She was like a living Barbie doll. And I noticed that she was not a cisgender woman. And I went to her and I said, I'm like you. And she looked at me and she was like, what do you want, bitch? Get the fuck out of here, you know? And that was like pretty much what it was. And she was like, stop bothering me. I'm working. The woman was a sex worker. She was literally working the corner where Cecilia met her looking for clients. But Cecilia managed to convince her to talk. She met me after work early in the morning and um, she told me about being trans, about what it was. And she told me that, you know, that she had surgeries. And I was like, oh my God, how can I get boobs? Can I get boobs? Can I get boobs? She was like, yeah, you can take hormones and then you can get surgeries. She helped me in the moment uh, with a lot of information. She told me three things. She says, like, you know, it's three things that you need to know. If you want to do this, you know, you have to know that you're going to be a whore. And I was like, okay, you're going to get high. And I'm like, I'll try. And you're going to die young. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to die young. But then I was like, I prefer to live a short life as a woman than a long one as a man. So that's how I made a decision to start playing with my gender. Sex work, drugs, death. There were and still are threats to the lives of trans people around the world. But Cecilia set out to defy the three predictions she'd received from this stranger for her future life as a trans woman. That's coming up after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I had to leave school because my transition was more important and it was not really space to be trans and going to school. It's 1990, and Cecilia is living in the city of Rosario in Argentina. She's dropped out of university to begin her transition and met some more trans women, also sex workers, who have helped her access hormones and navigate life. And being a young trans woman in the city, she soon finds her options limited. The only choice was sex work because nobody would employ me either. And it was a whole bunch of like dudes trying to fuck me. And I was like, you want to fuck me? I have to pay rent. 
I may as well just charge you for it. So it was kind of like natural. It wasn't that much of a decision. Cecilia had a community of fellow trans sex workers who helped each other out. But on the streets, it was tough. Sex workers had zones, like, you know, cis women, trans women, men, uh, sex workers in different zones. And, like, it was pretty much like an ownership of this block is my block. Give me some money to work here. So it was hard. It was like, you know, it's just a lot of negotiation here. I realized that I shined when we started having, like, phone advertisement that you put an ad in the paper and you answer the phone. I'm not good at the pre-work of getting the client to agree to go with you. The phone kind of like takes that away. It's like makes it more like a transaction. This is how I look. This is how much it is. This is what I do. What time you come in? Cecilia lived in Rosario for 10 years. She built up a strong base of clients and developed a network of friends but she faced discrimination as a trans woman and as a sex worker. She needed a change. What prompted you to move to the United States? I was not getting nowhere. And I, I for some reason, I thought, like, geographical moves have a good impact on me. Like, when I moved from Galvez to Rosario, I found trans people and I realized that I'm trans and I'm doing this. Maybe if I move somewhere else, I can fully solidify as something. I truly believed that I was going to come to the United States and that people were going to be waiting for me at the airport with jobs. Little did I know that, you know, when I came here, I faced the same kind of discrimination for my transness. And I also faced discrimination because I wasn't documented. And I faced discrimination because I didn't speak English. And it was like, oh, this is even worse. Cecilia came to the U.S. legally on a three-month visa in 2000 and settled in Miami. But when jobs didn't get offered to her at the airport gate or anywhere else, she continued with sex work. And the day before going back to Argentina, I got arrested in Washington Avenue in Miami. And I couldn't take my flight back to Argentina. I had a three months visa and uh, it expired while I was in jail. So when I came out of jail, I was like, if I go back to Argentina, I can never come back here. And if I stay here, I can never go back to Argentina. It was a difficult decision, but Cecilia decided to stay in the U.S. as an undocumented immigrant. She still clung to that hope of a better life, the textbook American dream, despite all the discrimination she faced. From Miami, she moved to New York. Here, new problems faced her. You see, just as had been predicted by the first trans woman she met, drugs had already entered into Cecilia's life. I started doing cocaine in Argentina. A lot of clients were like doing coke and uh, many of them just wanted you to be in the same state of mind. And also because I coke was fun. I liked being high on coke and because it helped you stay up for longer hours. And, you know, it was a whole thing like it really fit very well into my life at the moment. And then I moved to New York and I was introduced to 
heroin and crack cocaine. And those are the ones that I was like really unable to manage in any kind of way. So I pretty much lost everything. Up until now, Cecilia had always found sex work a useful way to earn money to live. She felt in control of it. But in New York, grappling with serious heroin and cocaine addictions, she became a victim of sex trafficking. And that's how I got into a trafficking situation because the person that was trafficking me was like pretty much giving me the drugs that I needed to function. And in exchange, I was living in his house and working and giving him all the money that I make from my clients. Another sex worker helped Cecilia escape the situation. And then a client helped her get treatment for addiction. Cecilia faced deportation, but she applied for asylum whilst undergoing treatment and had it granted in 2011. Cecilia began to rebuild her life. She continued to do sex work, but on her own terms. And then, when her counsellor referred her to the LGBT centre in Manhattan, she got a vision of a different path. When I got there, I met a counsellor that was also a trans woman. I was like, wait, you're going to be my counsellor? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, you work here? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, so you have a job, like, like a regular job? And she's like, yeah, girl, I work here. And I was like, what the fuck? For Cecilia, who had always believed sex work was the only option for her, and for trans women more widely, this was unfathomable, and it got her thinking. Something kind of like a little bulb went up in my head, and I'm like, oh, this is the opportunity. This is what I came to the United States to do, and maybe I'm in a situation where I could try to do Cecilia decided to pursue a career helping other trans and queer people, just like the LGBT centre had helped her. And this meant drawing up a CV. I created a resume that was mostly a whole bunch of lies. It was like, what did you do throughout your life? I'm, I suck dick. And they're like, okay, pleasant to people. What else did you do? I'm like, well, I talk to clients. Great at answering phones. Uh, <laughs> you know, what do, what do you do? I just, you know, fucking make them happy. Great customer services. So they translate, like, my life 20 years as a whole in a resume that didn't say that I was a whole. I went and applied for a job and I got it. Cecilia started working at the Aperture Community Health Center in late 2011. Her first job was to help manage the health of people living with HIV. From there, she was promoted to head up the center's trans clinic, which supports trans and non-binary people to manage their health and transition process. 
it was beautiful. I met more than 600 people in different situations, like, you know, trans people that they are like babies. There are baby trans people in their 60s, you know, who are just like gonna do this. And like many of them are 17 or 18 and they just want to start their transition. And like that is where I found more of a sense of motherhood because like helping these young folks navigate their transition, like start the main hormones, if that's what they want, change their name, if that's what they want, change their gender marker, if that's what they want, help them with like different skills. Like, you know, it's somehow it's the work of a mother and many of them like see me as a mother. I do have a hard time calling myself a mother of anybody because of my relationship with my mother it was super complicated. But, you know, Many of these kids call me mm. mother and I get like Mother's Day text and flowers. And uh, also when they need money, they call me mom too. So I'm always sending them money. <laughs> After carving out a successful career in trans health services, helping hundreds of trans people, Cecilia went on to work at the Gay Men's Health Center in New York working to influence policy in the city and helping fight for the Gender Non-Discrimination Act in the state, introduced in 2019, which added gender identity and expression to the state's human rights and hate crime laws. She now runs a consultancy business which helps organisations become more trans-inclusive. It's a remarkable journey, but Cecilia is proud of her background as a sex worker. It is this consistent narrative in which we think that sex work is something that people need to escape from. And that's not the case for most of sex workers that I know. And that was certainly not the case for me. I feel like sex work helped me throughout my whole life to sustain myself, to transition, to live, to have a home. Everything was through sex work. I formed relationships with other sex workers. I formed relationships with clients. Were they always pleasant? And was I always happy to see them? No. But I am sure you may not like every person that you interviewed too, right? So, <laughs> you know, you don't have to like the people that you work with, you know? So mm. but you still work. You still consent to do it, right? You still consent to sit yeah. with somebody and have a conversation. Everything is an exchange. I used to exchange sex. Now I exchange my knowledge for money and I didn't escape shit. I you go to do sex work if I needed money right now and I couldn't do it otherwise. I would go back to the sex work right away. I'm sure I still can pull a couple of clients. I'm still hot. <laughs> I'm sure you could. What advice would you give to your younger self if she was in front of you now? What would you say? I would say it doesn't really get better. Is that a lie? Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can make it better for yourself. You have opportunities to make it better for yourself. Be very vigilant of those opportunities because sometimes you even don't even notice that they're there, that those opportunities are there. So you have to be very vigilant and catch those opportunities because they may never come back. 
my proudest achievement is that I can go back to this girl that I met in the street and say, girl, I didn't die young. I made it to 50, bitch. I'm still here. Thank you for listening to Series 2 of Call Me Mother and to all the guests who shared their stories with us. Call Me Mother is hosted by me, Sean Fay, with production from Pippa Smith. Rosie Collier, Sean Glynn, and Max O'Brien are executive producers. Research by Megan Oyinka. Production management from Cherie Houston and Charlotte Wolfe. Austin Mitchell is our creative director of production. Mike Lee Rao is our managing editor. Gavin Haynes is our head of development. Willard Foxton is our creative director of development. Sound design, mixing and scoring by Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Pippa Smith and Nicholas Alexander. Our theme music is composed by Eli Block. Special thanks to Lee Meyer, Oren Rosenbaum, Shelby Schenkman, and all the team at UTA. For more from Novel, visit novel.audio. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.